Good morning, afternoon, good whenever, podheads. It's Dave. Alex is very sick, so this is going to be a different style episode where it's just me. Just me talking about October 17th, 1983, the Lake Acid show from their dead's only stop in Lake Placid, New York. This is also going to be a, a different style show because... Howard Weiner was at this show almost 40 years ago to the day, and we're going to talk to him about it, and that discussion is going to come out next week in the part two of this episode. I'm not going to just talk about my thoughts only on the music and then leave it at that. So how this is going to work, part one will be more of the education in the background with some of the songs sprinkled in how we usually would do it when we talk about the music. They're just going to come in and out here so you guys can hear some of the good music the dead were playing up in Lake Placid. I'll go through the set list at the end and talk about the many high points there. This is a a rock solid show, um, particularly set one, but this will be a a little bit of a different style episode uh, as we, as we get back to, our full swing here from working man's pod there won't be a days between discussion in this episode Um, we are both moving and we both have big life stressors going on and that's interesting but that doesn't make for a good days between so instead let's dive right in and let's get on the show at the Olympic Center in Lake Placid, New York. Lake Placid is northern New York. It is not, you can't even call it upstate New York for those of you from the New York City or Westchester County areas. It is way, way up there near the border with Canada and Vermont. Lake Placid is a small, small town of about 2,000 people in the Adirondack Mountain Range. The Adirondacks have 46 high peaks, and if you hike them all, you get to become a 46er, which is a big deal. And I got to take time to shout out my Uncle Rob, my cousin James, and my younger brother Andrew, who are all members of that 46er club. And my younger cousin Allison is, I think, next in line in the family, is safe to say. She's at 43 out of 46. Uh, and it's a big deal in, the, in that hiking community to get to all 46 high peaks so shout out to you guys uh i love the adirondack mountains i've been to lake placid many times this area of the state and just of the country too is is pristine it's beautiful some history behind lake placid melville dewey that yeah the guy who did the dewey decimal decimal systems for the library he was a a wealthy new york cityite who travel north to spend his time in Lake Placid and he designed the Placid Park later renamed the Lake Placid Club which sits on Mirror Lake which is the big lake in Lake Placid his son Godfrey Dewey was like the reason that the Winter Olympics were held in Lake Placid in 1932 uh, Godfrey Dewey convinced the International Olympics Committee the IOC 
1929 that Lake Placid was the best U.S. town to host the Winter Olympics. And so in 1932, Lake Placid hosted its first Winter Olympics. And in 1980, it became one of only three cities to host the Winter Olympics twice. It joined Innsbruck, Austria, which I've weirdly I've actually been to. And Innsbruck is a a beautiful city and uh, St. Moritz, Switzerland and Lake Placid. Those are the three cities to host two Winter Olympics. The second Olympics, the 1980 Winter Olympics is most certainly better known than the 1932 Olympics. Uh, and that's because of the Miracle on Ice it took place at Lake Placid in 1980. The Miracle on Ice, where the U.S. men's amateur hockey team defeated the four-time consecutive champion USSR powerhouse hockey team that was dominating the world in what I, I think it's safe to say is, is the greatest sports upset of all time, at least American sports upset of all time. I love my New York football giants. I think they're upset over the 18 and one Patriots in Super Bowl 42 is up there. Uh, the three times that a 16 seed has defeated a one seed in the NCAA tournament twice on the men's side with Farley Dickinson doing it this year. And then uh, once on the women's side with the Harvard women over Stanford, those are, I think in maybe Joe Namath and the Baltimore Colts too, way back when those are all in the running. But I, I think the, the miracle on ice with Al Michaels and his famous call, you know, do you believe in miracles? Yes. I think that takes the cake as the best sports upset of all time. And in 1999, Sports Illustrated named the Miracle on Ice as the top sports moment of the 20th century. So I think the the experts were, would agree. And if you don't know what I'm talking about or you're not really into hockey or Olympic history, there is an excellent movie rendition with Kurt Russell. He plays the coach, Herb Brooks, of that team. Just just go watch the movie and, and enjoy the the greatest sports upset of all time. The Olympic Center is also just cool to tour if you're close by or you have the means to go check out Lake Placid. Uh, do so. It's it's really really neat to see the rich history that's in that that small town, and it's also kind of interesting because I don't think that a town that small will ever host a you know a major event like the Olympics ever again. I think it's kind of fascinating that you know it it's not a big city it doesn't have the infrastructure and yet it's hosted olympics twice i think that's really interesting and and something frankly we may never see again town that small hosting a world event famous people from lake placid lake placidians actor james tolkien who played principal strickland in the back to the future trilogy uh, was born and raised in lake placid and lana del rey grew up in lake placid uh, and that's it. A lot of uh, famous winter Olympians and winter sports athletes uh, would make up the rest of that list.
just heard a little bit of the hell in the bucket that was the second to last song in set one um and you heard bob kind of ad-libbing the end screaming ride sally ride not ride 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 i have a theory about why he's doing that and that's because in 1983 sally ride became the first american woman in space so i think bob was shouting her out there um in in the end of hell in a bucket what else is going on in 1983 margaret thatcher won re-election in britain so she continued to serve as the first female prime minister and the debut of super mario brothers in an arcade in japan in july of 1983 so that's a big deal two years later it would blow up with the release of the nest the nintendo entertainment system and go on to just last year be a a feature movie so i mean mario is one of the big cultural icons of all time and it all started in july of 1983 movies number one movie for the box office in 1983 star wars return of the jedi any of the original trilogy star Warses were crushing the box office when they in those years that they came out Return of the Jedi grossed a total of $309 million in 1983 money. What's that look like today? Uh, it The value about triples, about $953.5 million. So basically a, a billion-dollar movie in, in today's dollars. Number one for the week, for the week of October 17th, Never Say Never Again which was Sean Connery's final performance as James Bond. But this is the the Bond era where it's tricky because earlier in the year, Octopussy is released in June, and that has Roger Moore playing James Bond. So Never Say Never Again is like the weird standalone Bond movie. It's not under the typical production label um, that would go on to release, like I think it's like all but two or three of the Bond movies. Um, so this is where there's like competing interest for James Bond. Um, but Never Say Never Again did well at the box office. Four straight weeks at number one. Um, this is in week two of its four-week run. Television. We don't talk about television too often on this show. But I think it's important to talk about what was big in 1983. Cheers won its first Emmy Award. It's Best Comedy Emmy Award. Um, and Shelley Long also won for Best Actress in the 1983 Emmys. So that's one of the iconic comedies of all time, and that began to be recognized as one of the greatest uh, this year in 1983. Music, that's what we're here for, right? What was going on in the music world? The number one song on the Billboard 100 for the whole year, with a run of eight weeks at number one, Every Breath You Take by The Police. I mean, yeah. The song that took it off the number one spot after its eight-week run, well, who am I to disagree? The Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by Eurythmics at the number 10 song of the year eventually took the police off their throne. Michael Jackson released Thriller in 1982, at the end of 1982. So singles from Thriller are like spilling over into the yearly charts in 1983. Uh, Billie Jean and Beat It are all within the top 10 for 1983 for the whole year. The number one song for the week of October 17th, 
Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Oh, good song. And I always think of the wedding scene in the beginning of Old School, the wedding band that goes, I fucking need you more than ever. Always think of that when I think of this song. It really is just a great 80s song. Kind of like all the songs we've talked about. On October 17th specifically, got some good birthdays for October 17th. Rita Hayworth, country singer Alan Jackson, golfer Ernie Els, comedian Norm MacDonald from Saturday Night Live, Felicity Jones, and Marshall Mathers as Eminem. Birthdays on October 17th. Sad deaths on October 17th, the composer chopin in 1849 and motown singer levi stubbs the grateful dead in 1983 well it's the lineup that you know and love billy and mickey on the drums jerry and bob on the guitars phil on the bass and brent on the keys they played 66 live shows in 1983 they played 19 of them in california so that's a like almost 30 percent of their shows were were home-based shows new york is second place new york had seven shows uh, including this one from lake placid the 1983 year has gotten some love recently with the through the official releases so dick's picks volume six is from three days before the show that we're talking about today it's from october 14th 1983 and then Dave's Picks 27, which came out in 2018, is from September, September 2nd. And Dave's Picks Volume 39, which came out a couple years ago, is from April of 1983. And then you also have the In and Out in the Garden box set, which covered the MSG shows the week before this from October 11th and 12th of 1983. So there's been some traction recently. So a release in 2018 in 2021 and 2022 so recently 1983 has picked up steam in the official release coverage and for like for example the 30 trips around the sun box set is from the october 21st show a couple days later like they the official releases are right around this fall 83 tour for good reason the dead were playing with a lot of energy and just having some fun on stage as as we will talk about and if if some of these shows from the 1983 tour are are kind of clicking in your head and sounding familiar it's probably because you've read howard weiner's book the grateful pilgrimage where he went back to every stop on the 1983 fall tour and wrote about his experiencing them the first time in 1983 and then uh, again last last year uh we get a shout out in that book and and it's very touching and uh for part two of this the lake acid show we will talk to howard about some of the stuff in his book and uh and what it's like to be back in lake placid this week on the 1983 fall tour two two nights in msg like we talked about a two-night stint in hartford connecticut and then the only show the grateful dead ever played in lake placid new york on october 17th from an article on newyorkstatemusic.com, quote, this would be the only show in Lake Placid the band would ever play. 
Fans dubbed the tour stop as the Special Olympics for Jerry's Kids at Lake Acid, and where the opportunity presented itself, covered up the PL in Placid on every sign to the journey to the Olympic town for added effect, end quote. I think that's really neat. It reminds me of what Ohio State students do uh, at their school. They cover up the M on every sign uh, to not give Michigan any any credit. And uh, it's funny that deadheads, you know, coming and traveling from all areas covered up the PL on all the signs to to amp up the effect of, of being at Lake Acid. It's been a little different than we usually do with how uh, I've cut in the music and, and the songs from this show. But what you just heard was a snippet of the 17-minute set one opening sugary. This sugary defines this whole show as high energy, like here to stay, and the band is just sending it full throttle all night. This sugary is, I I think it's the peak of the show, which it it comes quick. It's the first song, but it, it had everything you wanted in a show opener. It had a pleasant, warm introduction to the night. And then Jerry starts to heat up around the two, two and a half minute mark. It had an absolute smokehouse by all parties around the eight minute mark and 
and it just it kept taking off kept taking off the 14 minute mark the band you kind of think they might now bring it down and they don't they they peak again and i mean when they go tiger right off the bat it it makes for just incredible listening i as i usually do i checked out heady version to see how high this sugary ranked and it's the number four sugary on heady version and it's it's a top five version for good reason there is a review of it that i completely agreed with uh, and this is from carry on crow on heady version quote energetic but not cokey end quote and i think that that is really really spot on the 80s can get the tempo can get almost annoyingly fast with the cokey energy but this doesn't have it this is right where it's supposed to be and high energy but it doesn't ever feel like it's out of control or moving too quick for the musicians to to really grab on and and do some special stuff bob is keeping up the energy the whole time brent is just pouring his soul out through the organ and jerry jerry rewards everybody with just some masterful playing i'm not going to go through every song in this much detail but this 17 minute sugary needed to be talked about in depth because it's it's a tremendous tremendous version uh we usually do this at the end but a game we like to play is if you could take one song from the show and take it with you forever on an imaginary playlist what would it be alex isn't here to stop me from picking this set one opening sugary i mean this is it would be my pick every day of the week set one went sugary little red rooster friend of the devil brother esau bird song hell in a bucket and then deal so only seven songs in set one but the sugary is 17 minutes the bird song is 13 minutes the deal is almost 11 minutes i mean they are on there for the friend of the devil is 10 minutes they are jamming these songs out and they are really letting the music take over and this set one is one of the better set ones out there shows i think the traditional grateful dead show usually goes that the set one is a little songy and then the band really heats up into a jam suite in set two this show does not does not fall into that bucket this is a show where set one is just a powerhouse song after song after song and set two doesn't have like the the big jam to grab onto there are some good high points in set two but this reminds me the last show that i can remember that we talked about like this was the the in and out of the garden like lead release the madison square garden 1981 show from last year when that was released last year that show was very similar where the energy of set one just went beyond like a went beyond what set two brought to the table and here it it's not to say set two is bad but the the energy of set one just outpaced set two a little bit uh the deal by the way was the deal at the at the beginning of this show uh changed up the deal uh from this 
the set one closer. And like any good baseball fan or deadhead, I have uh, I have the stats to back it up. Uh, when you average out the seven songs in their heady version masses rankings, you get an average of 17. 17, which that is, that's pretty great. So this the seven songs in set one were just excellent. I listened to them over and over. Uh, and after deal and after their set break, they're on to set two. Set two opened with Touch of Grey into Samson and Delilah, uh, which I thought was an interesting combo. And then To Lay Me Down, Man Smart, Woman Smarter, Terrapin Station, Drums into Space, Out of Space into The Wheel, and then I Need a Miracle into Going Down the Road Feeling Bad, into Good Lovin' Set Closer, and then A Revolution encore a Beatles cover encore uh I thought the touch was just okay I think they're still trying to figure that song out in 1983 the Samson I thought was a good classic 80s Samson but I want to talk about one song pre-drums and one song post drums in space the song I want to talk about pre-drums is to lay me down really really good job by Jerry doing a kind of energy reset after you know an an upbeat and happy touch and then a a crisp jammy samson both high energy songs that jerry then kind of winds everybody down with a a really impressive vocally to lay me down 
uh, and why I think it's important to talk about this one is that this is the last time they would play this song until 1988. So after this lake acid performance, it, it goes on the shelf for a little bit. Um, I thought everything about this song was was beautiful, and uh, it's the number 17 to lay me down on Hedy version. And then finally, the other song I want to talk about is the Revolution Encore. I think the the post-space, the wheel, I need a miracle, going down the road, feeling bad, good loving, is, it's all right. I mean, the wheel coming out of space happens very frequently. I need a miracle post-space happens frequently. There is a little bit of a clunky transition from miracle into going down the road, feeling bad, that I think takes away from it um but the revolution encore is is interesting it's only the the second time that they ever have done it they did it october 12th at madison square garden earlier in the week and then they they did it here uh at at lake acid this is not the best beatles cover that the dead do um in fact i think it's it's actually not a good cover at all uh, but it is one of my favorite Beatles songs, and it was definitely a surprise to pull up the set list and uh, and have Revolution be the last song they played tonight. And I have to imagine that if if you were in the crowd, you know, maybe word had gotten out that they had busted out Revolution at Madison Square Garden, and then it was a pleasant surprise uh, for those in attendance at the Olympics.
So there you have it. October 17th, 1983, The Grateful Dead's only show they ever played in Lake Placid, New York, The Lake Acid Show. Those are the big picture, high-level thoughts and some snippets of what I thought were the best songs in the show. Please, please, please go check out, if nothing else, the show opener, The 17-Minute Sugary. You'll be glad you did. We will be back next week, one week from today, on the exact 40th anniversary of the show on October 17th of 2023. And that will be a short discussion with Howard Weiner, who will be in Lake Placid for our discussion with him. And uh, you can hear that either here on Working Man's Pod or on Howard's podcast on his Deadology podcast, too. So either way you slice it, uh, we'll hope that you enjoy even even more analysis of of this lake acid show until then it'll only be a week but until then we will bid you good night good night good night good night That's it. That's it. You got it.